Hello and welcome, confessionalists, to the Weekly Confessional, a podcast about confessions, though honestly, I don't really know exactly what the criteria is. It's kind of a variety show, as we say, and um, I have a few stories for you this week. Before that, as for updates, I don't really have any. Um, I know Yesenia says hello and that she still wishes she could be here. And I really appreciate those of you who have been sharing the podcast. You know, it really helps us. It helps kind of motivate me to keep going because I do this because I know I have people that come in every week and they want to hear me talk for some fucking reason. So talking is what I'm going to do. Okay, just for anybody who's listening for the first time, I should put this disclaimer out there. Some of the stories are pretty gross. Some of them are grotesque. Some of them are sad. They involve death and things because these are confessions. These are people saying essentially their truth. So please understand as you, you know, sit there and listen to this podcast, it is not for everyone. And especially when you're making your recommendations, make sure that you're not recommending it to somebody who is overly sensitive because I don't think that there's a need to censor these stories I think they deserve to be told. That's kind of why I started this. And it's not purely for our entertainment. It's also for us to kind of have insight into other people's lives. Because who knows which stories you relate to. Who knows which stories you find relatable or just informative. You know, sometimes it's good to just learn. Especially if it's about somebody who lives a completely different life than you. So, in this first story, I'm going to go ahead and say that there is a trigger in that this is going to involve a child's death. And I don't feel like me exposing that is going to ruin the story, even though normally I just kind of leave it for a surprise. But I also recognize that I don't know who's listening. I don't know what they've dealt with or gone through. So, I'm trying to be better about doing things like trigger warnings. So... Apparently this happened at the time that this story was posted 12 years and two months ago, but this was posted back in 2018. So I'm not doing the math. That's hard. And I don't feel like I deserve to be punished. So the mother who posted this talked about her children. She had a son and then 10 months later, um, they also had twin girls. So they were about two years apart and When the girls were born, they had no issues. You know, they were born very healthy children. And when they took them home, they started to realize that one of their daughters began developing a rash. And initially, you know, the mother thought, oh, she must be allergic to fabric because I have sensitive skin. And, you know, sometimes I break out in rashes, so that might be what it is. They kept going back to the doctor several times because they knew that there was something going on she was having an allergic reaction to something but they didn't know what it apparently took them three more months to figure it out and during that time her allergic reactions got more and more severe at one point she was actually the only baby in the history of that hospital who had to be kept in a clean room because she had a reaction every time she left And when that happened, they began elimination therapy. And she says her and her husband basically lived like Buddhist monks because they had to go through, you know, their deodorant to remove things. They had to eliminate things out of their routine. They had to figure out what was causing the reaction. 
They stopped using their soap, their shampoo, laundry detergents, and then they started on their diet. It took three more months, but once they figured it out, they realized that she was allergic to coconut oil. And the doctor said that it was a particularly rare allergen, so none of the test panels that they ran, uh, they put it on your skin to see if you react, came up positive. And when they found out, they were so relieved. And not only did the mother feel super relieved, she actually apparently delved into a bout of, and I quote, hysterical laughter. She said that she laughed so hard and that she cried to this day that her husband tells her that he didn't know if she was crying from relief or pure happiness, which is great. So they come from a culture where they use coconut almost religiously. It's in the cooking. They break it open at religious events. It's even in almost all sweets. And she says it's in everything. And the reason she was laughing because of how much she hated one particular use for coconut. When she was a kid, pretty much up until she was in eighth grade, she says eighth class. I don't know what that means. Um, her mother would put coconut oil in her hair all the time. She absolutely hated it. And once she started doing her own hair, she com- she stopped doing it. She was like, no, no thanks. I'm never putting stuff in her- my hair again. And she was laughing because she thought it was so funny that she would have a daughter with the severe allergy of the one thing she hated her entire life. They said, we had a lot of fun telling people about her allergy and everyone laughed because they all knew of my hatred for coconut oil. So here's where it gets a little bit tricky. Her and her mother all have always had a contentious relationship at best. They, she said that they get along, but they disagree on certain topics. And that her mother wanted a daughter who would be religious and would get her MRS degree. Oh, I get it. Mrs. Degree. <laughs> oh, I'm going to leave that in there because that's I'm stupid. Uh, and marry a man that her father had picked out, which would be common where she was from, have two kids, a house in the suburbs, and basically be a stay-at-home mom like her. And unfortunately, the mother, and that's just not who she was. She was not religious. She had two undergraduate degrees, went on to get a master's and a PhD. She didn't get married until 27, which is late for her culture, and she married a man who was the polar opposite of what her parents wanted. And as if that wasn't enough, she was a working mom who didn't need her mom to babysit because they had more than enough money for a part-time nanny. So grandma is basically non-essential at this point. So her mom was very proud of her and would like to talk about her accomplishments. But then again, you could always kind of tell that she wishes they were something else. And they had a fair amount of what she called safe topics that they could talk about. But they wouldn't talk about things like politics or her job or career because, you know, she's very passionate about it and her mother did not agree with her. So when it came to raising her kids, her mother was always yes 99% of the time. And even though she knew her grandchildren were being raised in a household that wasn't really religious, she was okay with it because she wanted to support her daughter. And... The only time that she ever didn't agree with her daughter was about the coconut oil thing. And grandmother would keep bringing it up because she was on her case because her daughters had very textured curly hair. And they didn't really get it from the parents. But, you know, of course, mother loved the daughter's hair and wouldn't want to incorporate the oil because it was a risk factor. 
And she'd explained several times to grandmother, no, we can't do that. And even at the time that it happened when they were constantly in the hospital because of the allergens from the daughter, grandmother was there bringing food, visiting, you know, and trying to do everything she could do to help her granddaughter. Now, this jumps forward to a specific day, November 2nd, 2005. So on that day, you know, mother was at the college giving a midterm to the students and she had to be at the lab late that night. And the nanny, she was, she had the flu. So she basically called grandma and said, Hey, you know, with the son being almost three years old and her daughter's being a year and a half old, she felt it was safe enough to leave them with grandma and grandpa. And they've done overnight stays before and the kids were always happy and healthy and well taken care of. So she had no second thoughts about leaving them there. Now, Apparently, they were staying there overnight this time as well. So at 5 o'clock, she called and they talked to the kids. And then later on, she talked to her mom for a little bit in the evening, somewhere around 10. And and the kids were actually asleep at that point. So she talked to her mom for a little bit. Her mom's also an early sleeper, so she went to bed. Then next day, mother wakes up at 5 a.m. She goes and picks up her husband at the airport. They go to breakfast And then they're going to go pick up the kids. And when they get to the house at 745, the parents weren't there. And when the neighbor opened the door and their son came out, she began to get really concerned. The neighbor said that she wasn't sure what was happening, but there was an ambulance at the parents' house at 6 a.m. And that her grandpa had woken them up to see if they could watch their son for a few hours until he got back. So she's calling her parents and nobody's answering. And she's obviously being in a panic she's terrified her children are now at the hospital she doesn't know what happened and so she manages to figure out which ambulance it was and they drove to get there so at first a few of the nurses began to notice them and then finally they took them back into a room and they explained what happened apparently grandmother had decided to use coconut oil while she was braiding the daughter's hair And according to her son, her daughter began to get a little dizzy. And so her mom gave her some Benadryl to make her sleepy. And it was close to bedtime anyway, so the kids just went to bed. Now, apparently giving her Benadryl was something that they did when she had a mild reaction because if she came across something and she was a little bit itchy, but then they showered her from head to toe to erase any traces of it. And instead, grandmother decided to just keep the coconut oil in her hair and put her to sleep. The Benadryl made her sleepy, unable to wake up, and she wasn't able to be conscious enough to wake up her brother, cry, or make any noise to say that she needed help, and she ended up vomiting in her sleep, and the rash spread all over her body, and it was apparently swollen to twice the size. She had asphyxiated in her sleep, and according to the mother, she died painfully and slowly in the early hours of the morning. So grandmother wakes up at seven in the morning. She goes to check on the kids and she realizes that her granddaughter had passed away. And of course she screams in panic. She calls for grandpa and, you know, grandpa comes and apparently grandpa didn't know about the coconut oil. And, you know, he was furious with her, with her because she knew better and he couldn't even look at her when they were at the hospital and when she saw her and The next bit is sort of a blur. Obviously, they have the funeral, and apparently her mother was investigated, and they almost lost the other two children. And, you know, Grandma is asking them to forgive her, but 
Um, there's just no way. And she asks her daughter, like, can I come see you? I really want to see you. And her daughter says, you can come see me when you bring my daughter with you, which is obviously impossible because of the tragedy that occurred. So unfortunately, not only did she end up losing her daughter, but she also lost her mother too. And I think that that's what makes the story so heartbreaking because nobody will ever recover from this. And while her mother should not have been so ignorant and she should not, she should have known. I mean, she did know and she just didn't believe in allergies. And I think that's why, especially in today's climate where people are doing things like denying facts and science because they want to replace it with their own ideology with things like vaccinations and claiming it causes autism when it's very clearly shown that it doesn't. And, you know, even she says that she wants to talk to her mother still to this day, but that's just not really an option for her. So, so, um, for my next story, I'm actually going to tell you about a grocery store workplace. And apparently he, the person, he, his name is Giraffe on Coke. I'm going to call him Giraffe. He worked at the grocery store for about three years. And there's this one lady named Jen who's been there for like 35 years. She's a good worker. Um, but and he says she is a few tools short of a shed. So Jen is apparently touchy with everyone. And he, this is fine until apparently she's told, told, sorry for the stutter, one of the 17-year-old workers that she wanted to, and I quote, wank him off in the back room, which is obviously extremely inappropriate. And so when she was reported for it, the management kind of laughed it off, which is obviously a double standard and not fair. So another night when a giraffe was closing with the new supervisor and Jen was there, the new supervisor, Philip, was near where Jen was working. And so she decided to start asking him a bunch of questions like how many people he'd slept with, if he wanted to sleep with her and asked if he couldn't because she's white and apparently he's not white and there was more, but she was just being extremely creepy. And when Philip goes back and giraffe had overheard all this, he said, Hey, are you all right? And he said, yeah, he was uncomfortable, but what are you going to do about it? So he told him to tell the manager and Philip was like, but nothing's going to happen, so why would I bother? So here's when Giraffe kind of decided to get a little bit creative with this, and I applaud his creativity. When he realized that the store manager probably wouldn't do anything about it because Jen has been reported before for this extremely inappropriate behavior, then he decided that he would make an anonymous complaint but pretend it was a customer making the complaint. Because Jen did apparently make these comments in front of a customer. And so he made a fake email and used a fake name to make a customer complaint about what Jen was saying. And while he made it vague enough so that they would believe it came from a customer, it was detailed enough so that they would know that Jen was being talked about in the complaint. So at this point, we don't actually know if Jen was fired. But I'm kind of, I wanted to share this because I feel like it's one of those things where some people would stand on the side of that was wrong to do. But personally, I think it was right. If the roles were reversed, reversed, oh my God. If the roles were reversed and this were a male harassing a female, which happens far too frequently, then I think that people would suddenly be like, oh yeah, Jen should definitely get fired. 
So I'm standing on the side of Jen is inappropriate as hell and she made people uncomfortable and she should have taken a hint a long time ago that she cannot talk to people in that inappropriate manner because it's not cute just because you're an old woman. And no, I don't want to say I hope that she loses her job, but I hope that she gets the appropriate training to understand what is appropriate to say and what is not appropriate to say in a work environment. So this next story is kind of interesting and I'm not going to say the name because I don't even know how to say it, but it's, I'm going to call the guy Doke. And he said that he was 17 when he posted this and he apparently lives in a boarding house for most of the year because he goes to school 90 kilometers away. We do miles here, but I know kilometers is pretty far. So makes sense. And he lives in this boarding house and it's apparently divided by sex. One unit for boys, one for girls. And the person who enforces who manages the house and forces a curfew from about 10 PM. So around that time they lock the front doors and he's really good friends with everybody in the house, but especially this one girl who she's 17 year old as well. And she, he's had a massive crush on her for a long time. So one night it was about two or three in the morning when she shows up to the house and she's apparently shit faced drunk. And He's a light sleeper, so he woke up to the sounds of, like, the dogs barking, and when he went to check, he realized they were barking at her, and she had almost passed out on the pavement in front of the house. So, obviously, he didn't have the keys to the house because, you know, he just just lives there, and so he decides that he's going to go ahead and take her up to his room to have her pass out. Well, apparently his heart was pounding, and he was... You know, he called it his teenage libido and it was rising fast. So he carried her to his room, sat her down, and he apparently just stared at her. He says he doesn't know what came over him, but his hand had drifted over her chest and her lower regions. And they were shaking the entire time, but he never made contact. And he says obviously he knew it was wrong and that she was drunk and unconscious and that he was fully in control of his actions. And of course, that was his friend. So in the end, he wrapped her in a blanket and he sat outside in the living room for the rest of the night and he couldn't sleep. And that's, you know, she woke up and he had to explain to her how she got there. But he, of course, didn't tell her about the fact that he almost molested her. And here's where I'm going to say this. I don't want to say he's an evil person for even thinking it because he, you know, It was battling thoughts. We all have horrible thoughts. You know, I I swear to you, every time I walk by a balcony, I think, what would it be like if I jumped down? Not like I'm actually going to do it. Um, Not that I want to do it at all, but it's just there's something about our brains that thinks these weird things that nobody else wants to admit. And so that part I'm not super upset about. But at the same time, it's not like he should get a medal for not molesting someone. It's not like you should get a pat on the back. For not molesting a person. It is not exactly a sense of pride. And so I'm kind of at this point where it's just kind of a neutral feeling. Like I don't feel extremely angry with him. Maybe I should. I'm not sure. Maybe some of you all feel some type of way. But for me, it's just kind of like, okay. Um, probably don't share that with anybody in real life because that's weird. But I just hope he kind of learns from this experience and makes sure that he doesn't put himself in a scenario where he may harm somebody else. 
So those are all the stories for this week. I want to apologize for two things. One, my breathing, because I am trying to breathe through my mouth because I don't have a choice because my nose is stuffed up and it's been stuffed up for days and I don't know if it's allergies or if I'm just hated by the world. But thank you so much for listening. I hope you all um, got something out of these stories. I don't want to say enjoyed them because honestly especially after that first one with the tragedy. I just hope that, you know, we can all learn from that experience and maybe, I don't know, do some fucking good for the world or something. Just stay awesome, and I will see you all next week. Bye.